Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us for part two of a three part interview with Gregory Hall. <sighs> about rethinking rest what does that mean rethinking rest his book why our approach to the sabbath isn't working folks this is a great interview it is covering information that has been a topic of discussion for hundreds of years which day is the true sabbath that christians should follow is it saturday is it sunday does it really matter since jesus did away with the the tenets of the law and all that you do not want to miss these episodes. In fact, if you missed part one, you need to go back and catch up because that lays the basis, the groundwork for what we're going to be talking about today. Now, we're going to be talking about, you know, does it matter which day of rest is the Sabbath? Does it matter which day is correct? No. And, you know, we see God rested on the seventh day, right? If God's all powerful, why did he need rest? And, Gregory is sharing this information with us, and we're also going to be talking about whether or not if you have to work on a Sunday, are you violating the tenets of the Sabbath? Is that really something that you need to be concerned with? You know, the, this is stuff that people have been asking questions about. Gregory's done the research. He has done the, the, all the outlines. He's got scripture references. Folks, not only do you need to drop down the shuttles and get his book, but you need to pay attention to what he's sharing with us. All right, so let's jump back into this interview now with Gregory Hall. I, I see also in your book where you discuss Plato and his description of shadows, uh, right? Yeah. That, that caught my attention because I recently did a teaching on types and shadows that Moses was told of, you know, pattern the elements of the tabernacle after. And a shadow, basically, a shadow has no substance. It yeah. is only an indicator that there is something of substance behind the shadow, right? And the, the Sabbath is mentioned as one of those shadows. Yeah. How should we interpret those references concerning the commandment to observe the Sabbath day if, as we just got done explaining, it's a shadow of God ruling right now? Yeah. Good question. So what do we do with the Ten Commandments. What do we do with the Old Testament law? I mean, that's that, that's a huge question, obviously, and um, not going to be able to do it complete justice here. But it is interesting, like you said, that the New Testament authors, um, in a couple different places in the Book of Hebrews and Colossians, um, the New Testament authors refer to the Old Testament law as a shadow, and. Uh, I bring in the idea, like you mentioned, of Plato's idea of the shadow world, right? Um, uh, being um, a reflection of, uh, he has an allegory of the cave that he wrote about in the Republic. It's very well known. People can look it up. Um, 
And that happened, uh, Plato was beginning his discussion in the intertestamental period. So after the Old Testament was done uh, being written, there's a, a period of hundreds of years in between the two testaments. And that's when Plato actually started writing and, and his ideas began to develop and then went on to Aristotle and those that followed. So when Jesus comes on the scene and the New Testament authors come on the scene, uh, they come into a Hellenized Greek philosophic world that talking about shadows would have been uh, second nature. People would have understood what a shadow was uh, from a platonic sense, um, not just you know, going out on a sunny day and looking at your shadow. <laughs> right, right. Um, but but the, the concept is very similar. Um, like you said, shadows don't have substance. They're flat, one-dimensional uh, objects. They, they um, portray a little bit about the substance that cast them, but they can never be the substance themselves. And so what the New Testament tells us about shadows, number one, the Old Testament law in its entirety is a law of shadows. It's only there dimly representing whatever it is that casts that shadow. And it, it just says the substance of that shadow is Christ. I mean, Jesus is the shadow caster. <laughs> and so when we're looking at Old Testament shadows, what we're seeing is a dim reflection of a larger truth. And those shadows were always supposed to get us to that larger truth. In Old Testament times, it's all they had. They had an expectation of a Messiah to come. And so they were expectantly looking forward. That's what the law was supposed to do, have them expectantly looking forward to a time when Messiah would come. But here in the New Testament times, Having had Jesus come and do his work, if we're still spending all of our focus on an Old Testament shadow when the shadow caster has arrived, I think we're missing the point of why that Old Testament covenant was made in the first place. Yeah. I think, and and again, I'm, I feel like I'm stepping on toes because <laughs> depending on the denomination or the, or the tradition that you may have grown up in or, you know, a church tradition, you're going to have very uh, specific views likely on how we treat the Old Testament. And it may be different than what I just said. And that's okay. We're, it's, it's good to disagree. It's good to stretch people. And I'm yeah. not saying you need to buy wholeheartedly into what I have to say about this topic. Yeah. But I think oftentimes we get pigeonholed on an idea and we grasp it and it's really hard to let go of something, even if some of the New Testament authors point directly to it and say, that's a shadow ministry and Jesus is the substance. Amen. Yeah. I know in chapter seven of your book, you discuss testing the waters of rest. Explain that for us and how we can go through the process of testing the waters of rest. Yeah, so I go back to my swimming uh, analogies in the book there um, because I love swimming. Like I said earlier, I love uh, swimming laps, the peace and solitude that's available there, plus the physical workout. But there's one thing I absolutely hate about swimming, 
and that's getting in the water because I hate getting into cold water. It is the absolute worst part of the whole event. And so I've developed, uh, when I go swimming, I've developed this long drawn out process of getting in the water uh, to make it a little more palatable. I, I sit down on the edge of the pool. I put one foot in. I very gently put a second foot in. I start splashing myself. I pretend like I'm stretching uh, just to give myself more time to get used to it. But eventually what happens, <laughs> nine times out of 10, because <laughs> um, there's that rare occasion I just get up and go home. No. <laughs> um, uh, nine times out of 10, I'll eventually you know, start my watch, tell my watch I'm about to start a, uh, an activity and I'll hop in. But that process of testing the waters that I do when I go swimming, very similar, I think, to what we should be doing when we're testing the waters of rest. So what do I mean by the waters of rest? God's given us gifts and talents, like I said earlier. He's called us to certain places, but the problem is those places shift throughout life. So I was an athlete when I was in college, but as soon as college ended, I tore my ACL, had some other knee problems, and my athletic career just ended. But that was a big part of my life for several years in that period of my life. But when that shifted, God called me somewhere else. And that was teaching junior high English. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. <laughs> God can call people to teach junior high English. And when I was there, when I was teaching those uh, classes, I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. God confirmed it in my soul, confirmed it by the response of other people. Um, and I was in a new sweet spot. I had, I had pivoted to a new sweet spot. And then uh, some circumstances changed, and my wife and I moved back to the town that we grew up in, and I started selling real estate, kind of an odd switch. And uh, it took about a year. <laughs> but after about a year, God confirmed, this is exactly, I tell the story in my book, this is exactly where you're supposed to be. Amen. And that lasted for 17, 18 years until the real estate market just in 08 went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I felt God saying, you know what? I've got another place for you to be. And I said, well, where is it? I have no idea. And he said, uh, you know what? You've gotten a master's in theology by that point. I'm going to have you be a pastor. And he called me to a youth ministry that I was gifted to do. And I was called to do. And when I was there, no question, it's exactly where I was supposed to be. So we have these sweet spots. Yeah. yeah. And they're not constant. And I think what the problem a lot of people get into is they get this idea that, oh, this is what I'm good at. And this is all I'm ever going to be good at. And so I'm just going to double down and keep doing that. And sometimes they ignore the obvious calling of God in their life, whether it's through circumstances or confirmation through a prayer life or reading scripture or however it is that God talks to you. Sometimes we ignore the idea that God is calling me out of where, yeah. out of a sweet spot that I've had for a while 
and he's got something new for me because that's scary. That's, uh, that's intimidating. That's, uh, that's not my idea. Right. So, and when it's not my idea, then why should I do that? (laughs) Human nature is, you know, I'm here. It's working well. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to stay. And when God says, I want you to go here. No, (laughs) exactly. I, I, cause I learned that, you know, we didn't go into that when I was in Texas and, and had my business and all that, it was going well. I could see things on the horizon and, you know, my daughter had married someone who moved to the East coast and she goes, dad, you need to come out here. Cause you know, there's a lot of stuff going on out here. Well, I said, Nope, I'm staying right here in te- Texas is God's country. And this is where I'm going to be, you know, type thing. <laughs> and, yeah. but inside I seen God opening these doors. Said, no. I don't want to, you know, and, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden the business started going downhill rapidly <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. and got to the point where, well, okay, we'll go out there. And as soon as I got here, the blessing was uh, here, you know, yep. and, and we get into that where, you know, uh, testing the waters, right. Yeah. I didn't want to test the water. I yeah. was happy here, you know, yep. and, and God was, I mean, it was, just so obvious looking back the signs you know i mean i, I use the the allegory of uh, elijah you know going up to, oh, yeah. to talk to the king saying it won't rain till i say so see ya right <laughs> yeah and, uh, and the king's like who's that guy <laughs> yeah. yeah and then you know god didn't pat him on the back say good job elijah go kick back and take it easy no he said yep. run boy <laughs> you know? he's like exactly. go here Go out there, yep. and and Elijah could have fought. He said, "No, no, no, I don't want to go out and live out in the woods by a creek. No, I'm gonna. I got a nice house. I got friends. You know, I'm, I'm gonna stay here." And he could have done that. He could have yep. stayed right there in town, and then been arrested and hung and all this other stuff. But he obeyed. He ran, yep. and and God took care of. Him. And I had to learn that lesson the hard way, right? Yeah. That when God says go, you yes sir, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the story of Abraham too, right? Oh yeah. Abraham, yeah. God says, I've I've got a place for you. I've got a new place. And Abraham could have said, No, I kind of like where I'm at. Yeah. He said, No, I'm I'm interested in finding that land that you're about to show me. I have no idea where it is, but let's go, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so we've talked about one response to testing the waters when God calls us is to be uh like, I don't want to go there because I'm comfortable where I'm at. The other flip side of that is another danger of testing the, of not testing the waters yeah. is just whenever we sense God might be calling us to just jump fully in hundred percent at yeah. the get go. Yeah. Um, that I, I would never do that swimming myself because, Oh, that would be awful. That <laughs> ruined the rest of my day swimming. But <laughs> what tends to happen is we think we hear God's call and then We'll just say yes to everything in that direction. And then we find ourselves sometimes with commitments in a place where it's like, ooh, this is not a good fit, right? We can do that with a job, with a ministry. We can do that with a lot of different things, relationships, when we think God's leading us in a certain direction. So this idea of testing the waters of rest, it's, it's just this intentional time where you're spending time listening to God, listening for his voice. Where is, what does he put across my plate the last few days or weeks or months? What is he prompting me towards? And am I willing to go 
dip my toe in those waters and see if it's a good fit. Number one, see if it's a good fit. Because oftentimes, and this happens to everybody, God's called me to something and I think it's there. So I go dip my toe in there and quickly, it's just like, well, that's not it. It's clear. That's for whatever reason, that's not it. But interestingly enough, what I learned while I was dipping my toe in is that, oh, I could be really good at that. And that was really fun, maybe in a different setting. So, oh, right there, because somebody called me last week and over here, there's another opportunity and that is a perfect fit. Yeah, I would have never responded to that phone call from a week ago had I not dipped my toe in the water over here where it wasn't a good fit. So that testing the waters is kind of like picking your lane if you're swimming, right? Just being willing to ask the question, what kind of conversations has God brought into my life? Who's speaking? Um, What opportunities are available? Am I at peace? Am I at rest where I'm at? Um, if I'm not, maybe God's call, have circumstances changed recently. Um, all of those factors go into where might God be calling me to a new sweet spot. Um, one of the things Jesus says, we haven't talked a lot about Jesus, and that's unfortunate. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things he says, uh, very famous, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you one day a week, one day a week off. No, he doesn't say that. He backs away from the fourth commandment. Amen. He isn't talking about the fourth commandment where we often go. He's talking about rest and it's soul rest because later he says, take my yoke upon you and I will give you rest for your soul. So we know, we know where Jesus is headed, what his end goal is, and it's not having to do with a regulation or making you feel guilty about what you do one day a week. Amen. It's about being fulfilled every day of the week. And the interesting thing that most people don't understand, and I only do because I've researched it, is this idea of a yoke because he connects his offer of rest to taking his yoke upon us, which is weird because a yoke is an instrument of work. It's that piece of wood that goes across two pole animals, work animals, like two oxen that when that connects them together, that you put reins to and somebody holds the reins and directs the work that the two oxen do. And when Jesus gives us an offer of rest, He is saying the way you find rest for your soul is allow me to guide what work you do. And that is flipping the script on the way I used to look at this topic. Because I thought it was all about taking one day a week off. (laughs) And now my focus is really on, am I allowing Jesus to guide me to the work that he's called me to do to find my place to be and my thing to do is, am I allowing that or am I trying to take control of that process and guide my own life to my own purposes and places? That's what Adam and Eve did, right? God had given them direction. They decided, 
you know, I don't really like the way you've set up the cosmos. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be in a different position. So I'm going to take this fruit and partake of it. And God says, that's fine. That's your right. Humanity has that right. You can go your own way. But the consequence is you will be removed from my rest, my rule. Mm. And Adam and Eve are sent out of the garden where their rest was because they were ruling with God. They're doing the same work out in the cursed today world, but now it's painful. Yeah. So true. And it's not so just true. physical pain. We we get caught up in the physical pain of like childbirth. And I I get the childbirth is painful. I'm not trying to downplay that. But the real pain out there in the world that Adam and Eve experienced wasn't physical pain. It was soul pain. It was the pain that Eve and Adam understood when she got pregnant for the first time. And they now realized that that son that was going to be born would eventually die. Yeah. And it could have lived forever. Amen. Amen. That's the soul pain That's that right. we all deal with on a, yeah. on, on a daily basis out in the cursed day world. Amen. Well, Greg, yeah. as I said, this has really been interesting. How can someone order a copy of your book, rethinking rest? Why our approach to Sabbath isn't working. Is it on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Just Google it. It'll be out there. You can find it. Yeah. Amen. And if someone wanted to reach out to you to ask a question, maybe do an interview like this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Yeah. So I've got two websites. One is my rethinkingscripture.com website. That's my podcast. And also rethinkingrest.com. That's my book website. And on both of those websites, I've got a contact tab at the top. You can just click on that. And it sends me an email right away. And I would love to talk to anybody that wants to talk about rest. That's my gig. Amen. Amen. Tell us about your podcast real quick. Yeah. So um, I had this itch when I left uh, my pastoral role where I got to teach a lot, right, um, about the Bible. I had this itch that needed to get scratched. And so I found that podcasting did that. So a lot of my podcast is just walking through different uh, books of the Bible. And um, I take a look at scriptures, usually from a thematic standpoint, um, from a literary standpoint, and um, try and give people a different perspective. It's called rethinking scripture. So I do the same thing with scripture that I've done here with rest. Amen. I'm kind of saying, what are we missing when we go to scripture? What's the what's the thing that God wants us to, to see that uh, we've been programmed to bypass right over? And we kind of dig into those and go down those rabbit holes. Amen. Amen. I'll put a link to all this in the show notes below. Folks, oh. unless you read books like Greg Hall's book, Rethinking Rest, Why Our Approach to Sabbath Isn't Working, you'll be stuck thinking like you always thunk. Now, with him being an English teacher, I guess I can say that may not be grammatically correct. Get my red pen out right now. <laughs> but you get my point, right? You need to study the works from folks like Greg Hall and John Walton, he mentioned John Walton, you know, people who have taken the time to, to research and dig deep and then compile information in a manner that makes it easy for you, I, and others to comprehend and put to action. Amen. Go drop down the show notes, order your copy of Greg Hall's great book, Rethinking Rest, Why Our Approach to Sabbath Isn't Working Right Now. Do it while you're thinking about it. Don't let the devil give you, you know, you take a chance to try and distract you and make you forget. Amen. Drop down the shows, order your copy of Greg's book right now. While you're there, 
reach out to Greg, check out his podcast. It is an interesting listen as well. Amen. Greg, again, I want to thank you for taking the time today to come on the program. I appreciate you joining us and enlighten us on the true rest that we should be seeking. I do appreciate it. It's been a great time. Amen. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. Oh, man, this is good. For Greg Hall and myself, this Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for this portion of today's interview with Gregory Hall. This is part two of a great three-part interview where we have been discussing the importance of the Sabbath day. We've been discussing whether or not it's Saturday, whether or not it's Sunday, whether or not you even need to observe it today. We've been discussing, you know, all these things that people have been asking. What if you have to work on a Sabbath day? Are you? Is it okay to go and enjoy yourself, you know, working out or cutting the grass? Is that considered work on a Sabbath day? Folks, these are questions people have been asking for decades, if not centuries. And he has put together the research to answer those questions for you. In fact, he's compiled it all into a book called Rethinking Rest, Why Our Approach to the Sabbath Isn't Working. Drop down the show notes, click the links right there. If you have a question, reach out to Gregory Hall and he'll be sure to answer. But you need to order this book right now, today. While you're thinking about it, don't let the devil talk you out of it. Amen. And be sure you come back for the conclusion of this interview tomorrow and the very next episode with Gregory Hall. Till then, this passed about reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. 
Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.